This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. Connection. We are going to talk to John Meisinger about Special Olympics. So, how did you get involved with Special Olympics? Well, way back when uh, I had my son involved in swimming, and uh, we learned about Special Olympics and knew that we wanted to keep him swimming as much as possible. So, when that opportunity presented itself, we said, why don't we have JT uh, start swimming with Special Olympics? And uh, that's kind of how I got started uh, initially. Wow. Did you always want to be a swim coach? I wouldn't say I always wanted to be a swim coach. I would, I would think it's more I wanted to be involved. I just didn't know how I was going to get involved. And the way it uh, uh, kind of happened was we had a swim coach leave the area and then someone came up and asked me, would I like to uh, coach the swimmers? And I said, you know, let's do it. You know, I really enjoy being at the pool, really enjoy seeing the swimmers uh, do the best they can. So uh, with that, I became the swim coach at Area 30 Special Olympics probably about 15, 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while now. How many years have you been a swim coach? So like I said, it's been about 15 years as a swim coach, but I've been involved in the area now. It's got to be 20 years at least. Wow. 20 to 21 years, yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. When COVID happened, how did people feel about the lockdown? With COVID? Yes. Yeah, COVID was kind of a sad time, right? We, uh, we were swimming February of 2020, and we got near the end of February. And if you remember, everything got very uncertain. And I think we had one practice in that first week of March, and then we had to uh, stop all swimming wow. during COVID. And that was just because everybody didn't understand COVID, right? And we wanted to make sure we protected all our athletes. And uh, we didn't want anybody to get you know, sick or uh, hurt or anything like that. So we shut down. And just to add a little bit more, you know, as a swimmer, right, we were out of the pool for almost two years. Yeah. So Special Olympics didn't get going again until January of this year. Wow. So it was a long time out of the water for a lot of our Area 30 Midland athletes. That's kind of sad. Yep. After COVID, how do people feel happy <clears throat> after the pandemic happens? Yeah, so after... Uh, after the pandemic, and we got everybody back in the pool in January, 
I immediately saw the team get together and all the fun that all the swimmers like to have in the lanes and talking to one another. And you know, Luke, sometimes the swimmers talk to one another in the different lanes, right? But we don't want to do too much of that. We want to keep swimming, right? But uh, as a coach, I let all that kind of go on because I knew uh, everybody missed each other and really wanted to get back in the water and have fun together again. How many swim teams are there? So if you're talking swim teams in Michigan, we have about 30, 30 or so areas wow. in Michigan. But we usually get uh, about nine, sometimes 10 in our regional swim meet. And it all depends on whether people are able to make it in the Midland in March. But after almost, well, it's almost four years now, we'll have our first swim meet at the Dow High Pool next March. Wow. Looking forward to it. I know. We want to get you back in the water with all the other swimmers. So what was your favorite memory about Special Olympics? My best memory? Yes. Wow, that's a, I don't know if it's just one memory. I think it's just, as a swim coach, seeing somebody complete that first race that they'd never done before. So you know how it is when you do your first 25 or your first 50 or your first 100 meter? Uh, seeing that swimmer able to do a whole length of the pool for the first time is really, uh, those are the things I remember. Is there any more information about Special Olympics? Uh, the best way to get information, you can go to the SOMI.org website <clears throat> and look for the Northern Region. And underneath that, you'll find Area 30. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Area 30 Special Olympics Midland. And you can get information there, some contacts, and you can get a hold of the people that, uh, you know, give you the information you need to get involved. Well, thank you for joining with your connection. All right. Great to be here, Luke. Thanks this for the invitation. John, my singer, my children, my welcome to Facebook Connection. Thank you. Sign off. Hi. Welcome back to Free to One Connection. This time we'll be interviewing Debbie Eats about Colovay for the coffee shop. So, welcome to Free to One Connection. Thanks, Luke. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. You're welcome. So, how did you get involved in Cultivate? Oh, it's... I'd like to say that it was a very straightforward thing, but it was kind of... We took twists and turns, and um, and it, it took a while for me to get there. Um, our church had decided that we wanted to do something for the community. Okay. And... That also was a very twisty, turny path to where we ended up with the coffee shop at the mall. And the person who was in charge of starting this effort doesn't even like coffee. Wow. Yeah. Um, but here we are with a coffee shop. So when I was hearing about this, um, he was telling us about a coffee shop where you don't pay for the drinks and you don't even have to donate anything. In my mind, I was thinking, that's never going to work. But at the same time, I was almost jumping out of my chair saying, I'm in, sign me up. I want to be a part of this. Hi. So um, I talked with him, and over the course of several months, we had conversations about how I could be involved with it. So I started volunteering 
right away when we first opened back in 2019. Wow. Yep. Did you always wanted to work with Cordovate? No, that's the crazy thing. Wow. I was teaching high school at the time when Cultivate opened, and I just figured that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I was teaching high school science. I loved it. I love the kids. I love the people that I work with. And then this coffee shop came along, and it was really a surprise to me that, you know, in my heart, I just had this great desire to be a part of the coffee shop. So... Um, I had been going in this direction with teaching for so long. I was teaching for 26 years. And then all of a sudden we took a left turn and I ended up at the coffee shop. Wow. How many years did you work at Cultivate? So Cultivate opened in June of 2019 and I started working pretty much right away. So okay. we've been open for about three and a half years. Wow. And even during COVID, um, we were able to still serve coffee. During that time when um, restaurants couldn't have people come in, they could only do takeout or delivery. We, um, if you know what the shops are like at the mall, we just moved some tables up to the front door of the mall and we did um, walk-by coffee. You could stop and get a coffee and, and keep going. And um, it was really hard to get through that time, but we did and um, we're still there and going strong. Wow. Why is there a donation to coffee? When we were first starting to develop this idea, okay. there were different conversations happening about, you know, should we charge for the coffee? Should we ask for donations? Should we say, um, please donate $3 for a cup of coffee? And then um, our pastor said, hey, here's a crazy idea. Let's not charge for the coffee at all, not even a suggested donation. Wow. Let's just say, hey, come on in here and get some coffee. And if you want to donate, of course, that's great. That's fine. Okay. But we really don't want people to feel like if they don't have money, they can't come in. We want everybody to be welcome. We want everyone to feel like they're a part of the Cultivate family. Okay. And part of that means making sure that people don't feel like they have to pay for their coffee. So, what was your favorite memory about Cultivate? Favorite memory? There are so many of them. Um, for the most part, some of my favorite times that I've had there have just been meeting people, getting to know people. Um, we play, um, our favorite card game at Cultivate is Skipbo. And once we ask you to play Skipbo, you know you're in. You are part of the family. And so just having those times with people are probably my favorite things about Cultivate. Wow. So why do volunteers have relationships with other people? The whole point of Cultivate is about relationships. Um, the coffee really is not the main point of why we exist. It's okay. so that it is a place where people can connect with each other, 
relationships can grow. Um, that is the main reason why Cultivate exists. So when people come in and we get to talk with them, we get to know them, they do really become part of our family. Um, we had a Thanksgiving dinner um, the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving and probably 50 people came. And they're all people that we knew and that we consider part of our family. That's the most important thing about what Cultivate does. Wow. So I think you had a lot of fun. We did. We did. It was good food, too. Is there more information about Cultivate? Yes. We do have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. It's Cultivate Coffee and Tea. Um, that little funny little and sign, the ampersand, not... So cultivate coffee and tea. And then um, the best thing to do to learn more about Cultivate is to come in and meet us and talk to us and have some kicking hot chocolate or some Guatemalan coffee. Wow. Well, thank you for joining hey. uh, Virtual Connection. It was my pleasure, and this has been so much fun. I appreciate it. Well, this is Luke Trimba and Deb Eats. I'll play to my connection. Thank you for joining. Hi, welcome back to Play to One Connection. This time we'll be interviewing Rachel Dahl about nutrition and teaching. Mm -hmm. So, welcome to Play to One Connection. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, how did you get involved with nutrition and teaching? How did I get involved with nutrition and teaching? So I did my undergraduate degree at Michigan State, and I first actually started in building construction management. Okay. And uh, my whole family, um, especially the men in my family, have done a lot of um, labor-intensive building jobs. Even my mom, who's a, who's a painter by trade, so a lot of construction workers. So I went into that field not knowing what else to do because that's what I grew up around. And while I was there, I started taking a couple of nutrition classes that sounded interesting because I really have always enjoyed sports and that connection with food and movement. And, and that's kind of how I found my way into the field and realized there was a whole major that I could jump into called dietetics and I'd be able to work with people and provide what I learned in the classroom back into the field and, um, and be able to teach that to, to those individuals too. So there's a couple of different... Um, uh, fields of nutrition. You can do food science, which is a lot of lab and kitchen. And um, and I wanted to do the dietetics route, which I uh, would be more with people, so interacting more and more with people. So I finished my bachelor's in dietetics at Michigan State and then found my way to Buffalo, New York. It was either going to be Buffalo or Tulane. And that year, and this was for my graduate work, that year um, Katrina hit, so Hurricane Katrina. So it was really good. We didn't find our way down to Tulane um, New Orleans. We would have been right in the middle of that. So um, for some reason the powers that be sent me to Buffalo with more snow and I ended up spending 10 years in Buffalo, New York working on my um, working on my graduate uh, degrees. So I have a master's in exercise science, a PhD in exercise science, and then I was eventually able to combine all of that with my uh, nutrition um, background and, and do my dietetic internship and become a registered dietitian. And during all of that time, I started doing teaching assistantships. So not only was I working in the field of nutrition, but I was able to take what I was doing clinically and bring it back to the classroom and teach other students and give real life experience about, okay. you know, about real life patients 
um, and how it was working, how my education was working for me and how I was able to teach them about how my education was working for me. So that's, that was the kind of the big connection with um, nutrition and teaching. And then I just continued on and kept teaching, so. Wow. <laughs> did you always want to be a teacher? Um, I think I did on some level. My mom always thought I would be a math teacher because I really do enjoy math and like to um, do a lot of mental math um, in my head. And um, But I get to use math and nutrition all the time too, so it kind of worked out. Um, maybe my mom was right in a sense. She thought I'd be a math teacher to um, elementary, middle school. Um, but I found that I really enjoyed college, college-aged um, individuals, and um, and they had a little bit more freedom, and we were able to work um, work within that freedom with with college kids versus um, elementary, middle school, and high high school. So. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I found myself there. I always like to share information, and so I, maybe it was just a natural progression, and I should have just listened to my mom to begin with, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. How many years have you been a teacher? Um, so I have taught when, um, let's see, I finished my, or was in the middle of my master's and started doing kind of lab work as a teaching assistant, and that was a little more than 15 years ago. And then from there, I was an adjunct professor while I was working on my dissertation. Um, at one point, I was working at four different colleges, a class here, a class there, a class there. And, and I often would drive to the wrong place <laughs> because it was too much, right? So um, teaching at a lot of different places, and that led me to coming back to Michigan and uh, teaching at Saginaw Valley, um, where I continue to teach. Wow. How does swimming go into nutrition? Swimming and nutrition. So you would want to know, right? Right? Because you're a swimmer, I know this. Um, and we've talked a little bit about it before. So um, being that I combined nutrition and exercise science, I also did a certification in sports dietetics. So I really got to round out okay. you know, that, um, that exercise piece with nutrition because it's very important to know what to eat and kind of when to eat it for our own individual body. Okay. Okay. So we have it, we have our guidelines that we can start with, but I have to know, I have to know who you are. I have to know who Luke is. You know, I have to know your schedule. I have yes. to know what types of food you like, what types of food you don't, um, what your goals are for swimming, um, how long you're swimming. And um, are you doing other workouts the same? Are you, do you have um, other activities like this, right? So is, how does that work into your day? So swimming and nutrition is huge in terms of, you know, really paying attention to, to timing. So I always say timing is everything with sports nutrition. Um, and, and the other thing that we talked about before was hydration. Hydration is hard with swimming because it's one of the sports where it's, it's a self-cooling sport. So you're in the pool and you're like, oh, that's refreshing. Then we may not think of grabbing a glass of water or a glass of Gatorade as we would if we were outside um, playing baseball or something. We're more likely to grab it you know, when we're out in the elements. Um, so swimming comes with its own, own special considerations for, for nutrition, so especially hydration. And I have found um, doing some swimming, not nearly as much as you, that I have never felt hungrier after any activity except for swimming. Like, I am so hungry after swimming. Wow. Yeah, the expenditure, right? So after you get done with an hour or two or whatever it may be of swimming, the first thing you want to do is probably eat and fuel and recover. 
And um, so swimming is not only do we pay really pay close attention to hydration, but also um, making sure we're refueling and getting enough to eat so that we can swim again the next day. Wow. Did you have a favorite memory of teaching? A favorite memory of teaching. Um, there are a lot. I, I, I would say the, I have the best time in class when, um, when I can do what I first started out doing with teaching, when I can talk to the class about an actual patient, obviously not sharing the patient's information, but um, kind of a case study and talk to them about a personal experience that I had with, with a patient, a client, or an athlete, and I can you know, kind of go through the assessment, what the patient was like, and the plan, and get their feedback and have them help me work through work through that because this was a real individual that I get to kind of share that experience with the students. And, and when you storytell in teaching, I think that's when you really make a connection. So when I've made those big connections with students through storytelling, through my life experiences, those those are my favorite my favorite memories. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. So who came up with the idea of teaching and nutrition? Who came up with the idea of teaching and nutrition? For me or um, oops, sorry. Um, for me or just in life general. Well, like. Who was the person at SPSU that came up with the idea? Um, that is hard to say. I would guess <clears throat> probably one of the people that hired me, um, Dr. Jenny Bridges. She she retired. She does live in Medlin, so maybe she'll see this. I'll tell her. Um, she was at SPSU for 35 years. And um, side note, we went and saw Wonder Woman together. She, she's one of my, you know, mentor heroes, and as well as Dr. Bridges. And we, she had been there 35 years. Kinesiology has been at SVSU for 50 years. So she has been there probably 70% of the time that kinesiology exercise science has been. And so I know that she had a huge hand in making sure that there were some nutrition classes. Um, within our field to help make that connection um, that nutrition has with exercise science. So, so hats off to her. I would say it's her fault that I got a job at SVSU. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So where can you find more information? Where can you find more information? Um, what type of information specifically like, do you think? Um, online stuff. Uh, online. Okay. So you, you always want to, you know, depending on what you're looking for, you want to make sure you're getting it from a really good source. So um, for nutrition, I like to go to our academy's website. The, the people that, that test us and test for our registered dietitian exam, so that's the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. They are great resources for, um, for sports for um, any clinical disease states that, that are impacted by nutrition or that nutrition can help you know, treat because food is medicine. Um, you always wanna make sure that you're maybe going to, so if, so if it's, um, let me give you an example. Gosh, let's say the clinical disease that someone is working through is heart disease. So you want to go to the American Heart Association. They're going to have really good resources. So if you go to the okay. foundation or the association that's connected with a clinical disease state, that's a great, great place to start. Well, thank you for joining the Futurebone Connection. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. You're so welcome. So that was great to about nutrition and teaching. I want to thank everyone who joined Futurebone Connection to come and also, I'm going to have a surgery 
coming up. I'm hoping that I'll be better when I come back to recover. So thank you for coming to Facebook Connection. program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.